Welcome to Make Me Your Voice with Pastor David Bartowell. These messages are intended to deepen your faith and trust in a living God who speaks to us with hope and reason. Today's message comes to us from the Gate Christian Bible Church in Orange County, California. Good morning. Thank you for coming this morning to the Gate Christian Bible Church, and uh, thank you, Brandon, for leading us this morning. A great time of worship. I was getting into it, playing the left-hand bass. If anybody plays bass, you can start playing if you're good enough. I actually like playing left-hand bass. I don't know if you noticed that. I play right-hand piano, left-hand bass. The reason I like playing bass, it's kind of like you're grooving with the drums, right? So if you're playing piano, you kind of get bored. But then when you play the bass, you're kind of like, oh, yeah, we're like hopping. By the way... I don't know why I'm thinking about this, but Neil Peart, the drummer, passed away. I was just talking this morning how that guy must have worked his tail off. Not only get that good, but to keep at that level. And I was talking to that person this morning. I said, you know, that's how it is working for the Lord. A lot of times we come complacent and we say, you know, it's, you know, like you say, it's close enough for jazz. No, it's close enough for the Lord. May we never think that way. May we always say, I'm giving 150% for God. And a lot of people say, well, I volunteer, and volunteers are needed. Last week I talked about, you know, the workers, harvest is plenty, the workers are few, so we need more workers in the harvest field. But here's the thing, you're either going to get paid now to do it or in heaven, and your reward in heaven is great. God remembers every little thing that you do for him and his people. And that's why it's so important to be plugged into a local church that has a vision of restoring families, restoring what's important in this community. Anybody ever seen the movie uh, Braveheart? That guy is a stud, man. I mean, that guy, I don't know who's studlier, him or uh, Liam Neeson in Taken. (laughs) Wouldn't you like those guys to come rescue you, you know? William Wallace He experienced incredible loss. His wife was raped and executed by the English garrison that had defeated Scotland and took Scotland in as part of the British Empire. But Wallace is on a mission to fight for his family and to fight for his clan, to fight for his nation, and to free them from captivity. Israel was in captivity in Babylon, and Nebuchadnezzar was a really bad, mean king, but Israel was in captivity of their own doing. God said, hey, be careful to do everything I'm telling you to do, and you will have a prosperous life in the land. What did they do? They did everything they weren't supposed to do, and they turned their back on God, and because God loves Israel, he sent them to be disciplined for 70 years. And it's the same with us. Like Israel, we fall And then we wonder what's going on. And a lot of times God is disciplining us in love, not punishing. He's he's disciplining us because we've fallen in love with the world. That's not what he wants us to fall in love with him and his church. Israel had turned their back on God. They even did what God made explicitly not to do was to intermarry with unbelievers to intermarry outside of who they are. That destroyed the family. 
So God handed him over to Nebuchadnezzar to be disciplined. And like I said, when we turn our back on God or, you know, I want to live my own life type of thing. And if you're a believer, then you kind of like the prodigal son, you know, and then God is always waiting for you to come back. But you're being disciplined out there. Come back home, experience the love of Christ, and get plugged into a local church so you can be all that you can be. So the church, like Israel, is called out of the world to serve a king. That king is Yahweh, our God, and our Father. And the church is not of the world. We are of another world, God's world, God's kingdom. But sadly, the church, like Israel, tends to love the world more than God. What if there was a place where the church could be the church in the world in a medium that people are used to, like a shopping center. But everything that is in that shopping center is redeemed and glorified for God. That is the vision of the gate. We're going to talk more about that a little later. But today we're in a part three of the 2020 vision, restore. And so God is a God who restores. Jesus said, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Aren't you glad Jesus came to seek and save you? Because we were lost. God specializes in redemption, in restoration, in restoring people, places, families, and communities. And God is a God of second chances. And although Israel blew it, God promised that if they would repent and pray and seek him, they could re-enter the land. Sadly, though, when this happened, the land was devastated. The walls and the gates were burnt. And God raised up after the seven years a leader. His name was Nehemiah, pronounced in Hebrew, Nehemiah. Nechem means comfort. Yah is short for Yahweh, God. God who comforts. Nehemiah shows up and comforts the people, not by hugging them, and, and that's important. He says, let's get to work. We got to build. There's nothing better to take your eyes off of yourself and your problems than serve the Lord. It's interesting, Jesus referred to the Holy Spirit as the Comforter. The Holy Spirit is the one who restores us, and it's an inside job. And he comes in and makes us new. So let's look at the ways that God restores. First, God is in the business of restoring people. We need to be restored, and we have been. That's why Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 5.17, read it with me. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is passed away. Behold, the new has come. See, something incredible happened the moment you placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Your old person died with Jesus on the cross. And the new person lives by faith in the Son of God, Jesus Christ. So then the question is, why don't I feel like a new person? Right? That's a good question. Because here's the answer. Although you are a new person and your old person died, you're still carrying around the corpse, your flesh. And although you're fully redeemed in Christ, it's a done deal. The Bible says you're already seated with him in the heavenly realms. Your body is still old the old body that one day will rise. So you're restored from the inside out. I was washing my car the other day. How many people still wash the car? 
Now, there's some people, if you're in a rush, you just watch the outside, right? But then you get in the car and it's like Del Taco bags and stuff, you know, like, right? You got to clean the inside out because the inside usually is dirtier than the outside. That's why God did an inside job first because we needed forgiveness of sins because we were dirty and now we're washed clean by the Holy Spirit. So that's how we're new. Now, individually, people are restored one by one as each person places his or her trust in Jesus. But more than that, individual restoration affects corporate entities, namely the family. So next, God is in the business of restoring families. He wants to restore families. And when I got saved and God's restoration process began in me, it then channeled out to other members of my family as my brothers and my dad and other family members got saved. That chain of events changed history because my wife and I, both being believers, had a new template now from which to operate, which is God's Word. If I was not restored and given God's Word and understood that new template, then our whole family would be affected. So I was kind of like a forerunner for the rest of my family. John the Baptist was a forerunner for God's family. In Luke 1.17, it says, And he, John the Baptist, will go before him, Christ, in the spirit and power of Elijah, to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. What was John's ministry? To prepare the people for Christ's ministry, which was a ministry John's ministry of repentance. Repentance is stop believing what I think is true and start believing what God says is true and live in that. And that's what John said. Repent. There's a new way, a new ministry through Christ. God anointed John the Baptist with the power of the Holy Spirit as with Elijah for a prophetic ministry of preparation. John's ministry was to point people to Christ. That's our ministry. And we need to start in the family. See, God saves and appoints people not for one's own purpose, but for the purpose of God and the purpose of restoring, redeeming families. Now, let me ask you a question. Would you agree that the family is under attack? Absent fathers, stressed mothers, neglected children is a recipe for disaster. And most, sadly, most parents discover the spiritual hollowness of their family much too late. And when the family's not under the authority of Jesus Christ and his word, the family will be attacked and maybe destroyed. And I'm talking about Christian families. Families who claim to be Christian. Christ followers are not being that ministry of redemption by the power of the Holy Spirit in their family. Now, there are families and marriages that amaze me. People that stay married. We can rejoice in that. We should rejoice in that. Because that takes commitment. 
It takes hard work. Most of all, it takes submission and authority of Jesus Christ. So Israel is known as God's family, which is a nation of a covenant people. And they dug their own grave as they rejected and rebelled against God's word. And since God loves his people, he had to allow them to experience this captivity so that hopefully they would learn their lesson. And this is an ongoing theme with Israel and with us. For 70 years, they had to live under the authority of a pagan, depraved dictator named Nebuchadnezzar, who conquered Jerusalem, taking Israel into captivity. And at the end of 70 years, Nehemiah was called by God to leave his post as cupbearer of King Artaxerxes, which was the king of Persia, who had conquered Babylon. And Nehemiah shows up in Jerusalem and weeps. He weeps. He wept first when he heard the news that the remnant, which were those who got out of captivity and made it back to Jerusalem, they found the gates and the walls were decimated and burned to the ground. And he arrives in Jerusalem, and the first thing Nehemiah did was inspect and evaluate the destruction. And the very next thing he does, he recruits people to restore the walls and gates. And you know how he did it? Through recruiting families. Each family took responsibility to restore and rebuild a portion of the gates and the walls. And But as always the case, whenever families and people step up to serve God, opposition arrives. They don't want the restoration project to go on. They love their community decimated. Whenever you claim your family for Christ, you will be opposed. You have to understand this. So we see in here in Nehemiah in chapter 4, Nehemiah stationed his men in the lowest parts of the space behind the walls, the exposed places. He says, I stationed the people in families with their swords. And I can't help but think of the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And then it goes on. And I look and arose and said to the nobles and the officials and to the rest of the people, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. Isn't that a war cry for today? It begins on our knees, but it has to come out of our mouth in preaching the gospel and sharing Christ. See, fighting for your family and your sons and your daughters, your wives, and your homes is a worthy battle. So is fighting for your church family. As William Wallace fought, he prepared the way for freedom of his people. Fighting a spiritual battle can be exhausting. Especially exhausting if you don't realize it's happening. There's a lot of clueless people, spiritual cluelessness, complacency or denial, whatever you want to call it, that are not realizing that there's a huge spiritual battle that we're constantly being opposed And the next way you're going to be exhausted is if you attempt to fight in your flesh. We need to fight in the Spirit with each other, not on our own, and the armor of God. Third, God is in the business of restoring communities. What's a community? A community is defined as a group of people living in the same place or having a particular characteristic in common. That's similar to locations we're familiar with, your neighborhood, your city, or even a larger region like Saddleback Valley or South Orange County. 
But community is also defined as a feeling of fellowship with others as a result of sharing common attitudes, interests, and goals. So this is the type of community in the local church that we have in this church. We have a common attitude, which is Acts 4.32, in the congregation of those who believed were as one heart and soul. That's that common attitude. We have common interests. And not one of them claimed that anything belonging to him was his own, but all things were common property to them corporately. That's the biblical socialism or communism, which is based on God's authority, not the government. And it's the giving, not a taking from. And then we have a common goal, which is to become fully devoted followers of Christ, which is our purpose statement. And then we want to develop others to do the same. And we want it to go generationally. So Israel, like the church, they were a community. They had similar values and things like that. So back to Nehemiah. Nehemiah is at work. Picture yourself, you're at work. And someone brings this news. And they said to me, the remnant there, the people that have returned, in the province who had survived the exile in Babylon, is in great trouble and shame because the wall of Jerusalem has broken down and its gates are destroyed by fire. How did Nehemiah react? It says, when I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days. And I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. So what does Nehemiah's reaction reveal about him? He loved God and he loved God's people. And he was upset, deeply upset, that their land and their place was destroyed. Their community. So what if, like Nehemiah, you're at work, and someone came to you and said, did you hear that the gate had to close its doors? It couldn't withstand the onslaught due to the lack of resources and commitment. What would you do? How would you feel? If the gate had to close down, would it make a difference to you or to your family? And here's the more important question. Would it make a difference to this community? Would they even notice? You see, the harvest is plenty. The workers are few. The commitment to grow has to be at the forefront of our prayers and our mind. The expansion has to begin with you. You're the ones God has here for such a time as this. And I thoroughly believe that 2020 is the year of the gate. Interestingly, you know, every year the Chinese calendar has a certain animal. You know what 2020 is? The year of the rat. Not the year of the cat. Not that. This is the year of the gate. So let's watch this to be reminded of our vision. The gate is a connection point. Jesus said, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. The community at the gate is a place where that connection can happen. In a place where people are doing what they would naturally do, visiting stores, going to movies. The whole place will be biblically thematic, kind of like Disneyland, but with a Christian theme. So when one enters the gate, it will look like they're entering an old gate in Jerusalem. To the left, they'll see a Christian-owned business. 
For instance, it could be a Hobby Lobby or a Chick-fil-A or In-N-Out Burger. To the right, one will find the area where there's classrooms, where kids can come after school and receive tutoring. Straight ahead, there'll be the, a path that leads right to the biggest building, which is an entertainment venue, and it will offer family-friendly entertainment. There's a lot of open space, and that open space is not only a park where kids can play, but there's also statues and symbols that point to the Bible. For instance, there could be a fountain where it shows Moses hitting a rock and water coming out of the fountain. Or it could be a tree, and it could be the Zacchaeus tree, where Zacchaeus climbed up to see Jesus and the kids can climb up there. Remember, it's all thematic, so the kids can be learning and the families can be learning as they're looking at these symbols from the Bible. Way in the back, there's, a, there's an area where churches, local churches will meet. So the community at the gate will offer buildings and facilities for local churches to use and to rent and to have their worship services. And again, the whole reason we're there in the back is we, don't, we want people just to go as far as they want to go. But hopefully, they'll go all the way and meet Christ and their life and their families will be saved. There's a purposeful evangelism that's happening, and it's a natural evangelism because people are coming to places they would normally come to. Then someone might not come into a church building, but they'll come to a mall, they'll come to a center where there's stores and shops and movies and ways where people can get resources to help them have a better life. This community is, is built on biblical principles. Everyone needs Jesus. They just don't know it. Our whole goal and objective is to lead someone to Christ and then get them plugged into a local church. The Community Gate is not a church. It's the church coming together to be a light to the world. And this could be an incredible way to connect people to Jesus, who's the gate. In order for this vision to be fulfilled, we need people who are like-minded, who are kingdom-minded, who think of God's kingdom above themselves or their local church. We need people who are businessmen or women. We need uh, people who will invest and, and give financially. We need people who are attorneys. We need people who are just prayer warriors. If this is spoken to your heart, listen to the Lord and become a part of it, no matter what you can do. So I want people to come alongside and be a part of leaving a legacy that's way bigger than us and that will outlast us for eternity. I laugh because that vision came, the Lord gave me in 2003. Why would he give a vision of building a redeemed, glorified strip mall shopping center to a musician? That's God. But he's given the vision to us. To us. You get this? We get to be a part of this. God is orchestrating stuff. I am not the most gifted persuader and fundraiser, and that's not me. But we've had the opportunity now to 
form the City Gate Incorporated, which is the overarching corporation. It's in the process of getting its tax-exempt status, which we hope to have in seven months. Until then, people can give through this church and get credit towards that. We're going to have a website that's going to come live soon. I'll have that video and this. We have on the board of directors the director of missions from Orange County Southern Baptist Association, uh, Michael Proud. Eric Salgren, who's an attorney and, and a partner in this church, is on the board of directors. And we have a gate, a development team that meets once a month. Art and Sonny are on that team. Pastor Sam and Eric, obviously. So here's the thing. This is not my vision. Because to be honest with you, if it was just my vision, I'm going to go move to Jamaica because <laughs> that's not going to happen. This is our vision. And that's why I keep saying this is the year of the gate. And just think of it as Irvine Spectrum for Jesus. So finding yourself in the story, why build the gate? Gates connect people to God. Jesus said, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. When you go to the airport to get on a plane, you go through the gate. When you go from your front yard to the backyard, you go through a gate. It's a connection point to somewhere else. Well, Jesus is the connection point for every person, every family, and everybody in this community. Jesus didn't wait at home, waiting for someone to knock on the door to say, can I follow you? He went out and brought people to him, and they came to him. That's what we got to do, and I talked about that last week. Harvest. We're going to emphasize harvest this year. We got to reach more people for Christ. When I say we, not me. So imagine a place that is in the community, looks like, feels like the community, but is redeemed and restored for God's purposes. That is the gate OC. It's a glorified strip mall. As we are glorified in Christ, this place will be glorified and redeemed for Christ. Next, gates protect communities from attack. Why in the world was Nehemiah, besides upset about his people not having a place, so upset that the walls and gates were burnt down? Because the enemy just walked right in. Every city has a gate. Do you know that? San Francisco has the Golden Gate Bridge. It's the entry point to San Francisco. Every city has a spiritual gate. And it could be for entry of evil or good. We want a gate for good, for God for restoration for families, for people to get saved. We want that gate to be not only the physical connection point, but the spiritual connection point for people to get saved like never before. God is doing a fixer-upper deal in this community. Now think about it. Not only is it bizarre that God would give me such a vision and give us such a vision, but it's also extremely bizarre that it would be in California, probably the most hostile place towards Christianity. It has to be God. So upon arrival, Nehemiah says, I said to them, you see the troubles. He sees a great leader. He says, you see what's going on. 
how Jerusalem lies in ruins and the gates are burned down? He said, come, let us build the walls of Jerusalem so that we may no longer suffer derision. That means no longer be mocked and shamed and disgraced. See, Nehemiah was not only a comforter, he was a gifted leader. He didn't use gimmicks. He just said, look, is this okay with you? Is it okay that people are dying and going to hell and we're right here in the middle of this community? Is that okay? It's not okay. It should never be okay. We don't want God to be mocked. Not under my watch. God should be glorified. And the remnant of Israel saw the problem and they went to work. They didn't wait for someone else to do it. So I want to ask you, do you see the problem? Get out of spiritual denial. There's a huge spiritual problem that the church should fix. That's why we're here. Please, for the sake of our wives, our daughters, our sons, our grandchildren, our marriages, our homes, the gate must be built. And by the way, do you know heaven will have gates? In fact, Revelation 21.12 says, this is the new heaven. It says a great high wall with 12 gates and the gates 12 angels. Listen, this is the first of 12 gates. See, it's not just this gate. You know why it's so hard and it took so long? Because God had to make us into the vision. And we're the template. And then once this is built, there's going to be people all over the country. Hey, we want to do that. And remember, you're looking at just a minute amount of people that are part of this. There's going to be hundreds and thousands of people that are building this gate. So do not be discouraged. But it's going to take you, your faith, and it's going to take you talking to people. It's going to take you inviting people to this vision. And then next, building the gate will provide a legacy for all. Don't you want to leave a legacy that's beyond you? I mean, think about what could happen, not only at the gate, but also at the gate after Jesus' return. Because I believe that the Scripture teaches that Jesus is going to come and rapture his church. And think about leaving behind a place with a time capsule where people can go and read about what just happened. Think about the harvest. So it's beyond our life. It's beyond your life. This is generational. Jerusalem was rebuilt. The gates were restored. It says, so the wall was completed on the 25th month of Elul in 52 days. When all our enemies heard of it and all the nations surrounding us saw it, they lost their confidence for they recognized that this work had been accomplished with the help of our God. There will be and there will continue to be opposition, but God will be glorified. Now, to end, interestingly enough, the month of Elul is the 12th month of the Jewish civil year and the sixth month of the ecclesiastical year on the Hebrew calendar. And it is a summer month of 29 days, and Elul usually occurs in August or September on the Gregorian calendar. Well, guess which month this is this year? September 2020. The wall was completed on the 25th month. Now, I'm not saying that there's going to be totally built by them, but something's happening on the 25th of September. I don't think this is a coincidence. I just sense that we're building up and momentum's happening and something's going to break, something's going to happen on the 25th of September, 2020. 
And I want you to be a part of it. And if you're not a partner, I want you to become a partner of this church. We need more team members. You know, when you're in a war, you got to know who's on your team. Whenever we do these things, it's an act of faith. Movement is an act of faith. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you're working in a powerful way in our life, in the life of the families, in the life of this church, in the life of this community, where I've lived for a lot of years. Even when we lived in this community, before we went to Texas and then moved to Monterey, and you brought us back here. And part of that reason is to build the gate. And when you gave me this vision, I thought it was going to happen that moment. I didn't know that like Moses and others, you were going to ask me to plant a church. In fact, I was not into that, and I fought you a lot of that, but I'm so grateful that I followed your leadership because these people are so incredible. They're incredibly faithful. And you've brought us through a lot of hard times. But this is the year of the gate. This is the year when something's going to happen and we want to be a part of it, Lord. Thank you for allowing us the privilege to build your gate. In Jesus' name, amen. Pastor David Bartowell's message reminds us that God speaks to us with hope and reason so that we can be His voice in this world. Please join us again for Make Me Your Voice a ministry of the Gate Christian Bible Church in Orange County, California. We would love to have you join us for a Sunday service. For more information or to find our location, please visit thegatecbc.com. Make me-